Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. As the kings of both houses of Israel slipped further and further into degradation and failure, the Old Testament provides us with a parallel account of the prophets that God had raised up during that same period to carry on the line of his testimony and of his economy. Often the prophecies of these ones touched the very center and focus of God's New Testament economy and his eternal purpose, which was embodied and manifested in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophet Isaiah particularly is rich with references to both Christ's incarnation, his marvelous and all-effective redemption. Yet the challenge for us as believers today is not to stop with Christ's wonderful redemption, but rather to take it by faith as God intends as a starting point for our Christian life and walk. This is what we hope to touch in today's life study, and Bob Danker has joined us again for the program. Thanks for being here again, Bob. It's good to be with you, Chris. As you pointed out, the Old Testament prophets were wonderful in their prophecies concerning Christ's incarnation and his, uh, actually, they also touched his death on the cross Mm -hmm. and his resurrection. Right. But there were certain things that they did not see, and we have to wait until we get into the New Testament uh, with John and Paul and the other New Testament writers before we can have a full picture of God's New Testament economy especially as it relates to Christ, human living, his death, and his resurrection. Well, Bob, let me uh, say a bit of a word of explanation to our listeners. We're in the life study of Kings. Actually, we're in Second Kings, about chapter 17. At this point, when Witness Lee was uh, presenting this life study, there's uh, a lot of accounts from history, and most of it negative, related to the failures and problems associated with the various kings. And though he touched these matters in a faithful way to the word as he presented these messages, his burden clearly was not there at this point. By now, he was very much focused on God's New Testament economy and the linkage that we see from the Old Testament, particularly these prophets who were contemporaries, really, of the kings, and how the Old Testament had these definite links to the New Testament reality. So we've had some programs, and we'll have more as we really conclude the life study of kings Uh, along this line. And he was using Isaiah as a kind of a jumping off point from the Old Testament to the New. Obviously, the book of Isaiah, many clear references to the coming of Christ, his incarnation in chapter 7 and chapter 9, and then chapter 53, one of the really classic great chapters of the Bible, isn't it? I think let's spend just a second talking about Isaiah 53. Yes, Chris, this is, as you said, a classic chapter in the Bible. Actually, this chapter is somewhat all-inclusive in its reference to Christ. It speaks of Christ's incarnation. It says that he was a tender plant growing up before Jehovah and a Mm -hmm. root out of dry ground. This all speaks of his becoming a man and living a humble, despised human life. Then it speaks about, of course, his redemption accomplished by his crucifixion. He bore our sins. All God laid all our transgressions on him. Marvelous. Then it goes on to speak of his resurrection, Uh, when it says that 
Christ in his resurrection will see a seed. There will be a seed produced from Christ through his death and resurrection. And finally, it also mentions his ascension. So all of these crucial matters related to Christ in the process that he went through through in his incarnation, human living, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension to accomplish God's New Testament economy, they're all mentioned in Isaiah 53. Now, let's come to God's New Testament economy in this vein and with this background. Romans chapter 1, verse 4 is a point that Witness Lee will touch in this first segment today concerning Christ in resurrection having a designation that takes place. Uh, Chapter 1 of Romans, verse 4 says, concerning his son who was designated the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness out of the resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Clearly, Christ was the Son of God before death and resurrection, but here in resurrection, he also picks up this designation. We'll talk about this after his first portion, won't we? Yes, Chris. And then, of course, a verse that uh, any of our listeners who have been with us for any amount of time have heard many, many times referred to, but it's uh, fitting to touch it again here today, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, the second part. Simply, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. All right, here's Witness Lee. Isaiah, in his prophecy, referred us to Christ's incarnation. Then he went down to God's redemption. In chapter 7, 14, chapter 9, 6, and Isaiah 53. It was very good. But we all have to realize that was the first part of God's fulfillment of his economy. As an answer to the typology in the history books of the kings in the Old Testament, that was a part. Then Christ entered into resurrection. In resurrection, he has done a lot. The New Testament tells us, firstly, brought his humanity into divinity, making this part of his being designated to be the firstborn son of God. And in the same resurrection, all God's chosen people were regenerated together with Christ and in Christ. What a big accomplishment. Then he became the life-giving spirit. And this life-giving spirit is just the consummation of the triune God. Is this the completion of what God wants to do? No. This is near the start. Just a start. To us, this is the beginning. This is the regeneration. Then after this, the consummated God, as the all-inclusive spirit, enters into our being and dwells in our spirit. This is not a small thing. This is to make God and man, man and God, in the mingling spirit one. So the two spirits are now mingle together as one entity. This is the beginning 
of the body of Christ. And this will consummate in the New Jerusalem. This is altogether too, too great. Bob, that was a, I would say an all-inclusive portion we just heard in about two and a half minutes uh, describing some of the really uh, most profound uh, elements of God's economy, God's plan, God's purpose with man. That's right, Chris. Actually, this section that we just heard focuses on the things that the Lord Jesus accomplished, I would say, in the initial stage of his full ministry. And these things we can see mainly in the four Gospels, yeah, where the Lord accomplished incarnation to bring God into humanity. This was the first time that God and man had really been joined to be one in the incarnation of Christ. Then he lived a human life on the earth, and then he went to the cross to accomplish the all-inclusive redemption that solved all the problems between God and man and opened the way for all the believers to be joined together with God in Christ. But then the resurrection of Christ was another wonderful step in which three major things were accomplished. First of all, Christ's humanity, which he had put on in his incarnation and in which he had lived for more than 30 years, this humanity was uplifted into his divinity and was fully made one with his divinity. And so he was designated the firstborn son of God with two natures, divinity and humanity. Right. Of course, he had been the son of God already from eternity past, but then he had only divinity. But this son of God put on humanity. So that human part needed to be transformed and designated to be the Son of God. And that was accomplished through the resurrection of Christ. This was a tremendous achievement of the Lord. Then, as we saw in this wonderful verse, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five, Christ himself was transfigured to become a life-giving spirit. This is another great achievement. This life-giving spirit is the very center of God's New Testament economy in the accomplishing of this economy. And then the third great thing that Christ accomplished in his resurrection was that he imparted his divine life into all the believers of Christ. And so the resurrection of Christ was a great delivery. It was a birth of millions of sons of God. Even though all of us who have believed in the Lord did so at a certain point in our life. Yes, right. But in the eyes of God, we were regenerated by God at the time of Christ's resurrection. So through the resurrection of Christ, all the sons of God came into being. And all these sons of God are the constituents of the body of Christ and ultimately of the new Jerusalem. So here we see the initiation of the accomplishing of God's economy, but we still have some ways to go before this is all completed. He refers at the um, end there in that portion to this matter of the joining of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, with our spirit, and uses this term mingling. Of course, this is based on a solid uh, New Testament scriptural ground. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. 
And then in Romans chapter 8, another uh, verse I think that really identifies this union, this mingling of the Holy Spirit with our human spirit in regeneration. The Spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. So let's pick up this matter of the mingled spirit in this next portion. We are now in a situation of the true spirit mingled together as one spirit. How do we follow Christ? Not just by the outward, black and white word in the Bible, but we have to follow Christ in our spirit all the day long. Don't forget you have a regenerated spirit indwelt by God's spirit and today you just all the time remain in your spirit to live, to work, to have your being. These spontaneously will cause you to live Christ, to magnify Christ, and to be one entity with Christ. Your living becomes his living, and his life becomes your life, and you and he, he and you, are one together. All the believers in Christ should be like this. You see, if so, then the issue is the body of Christ. That is the church. So today, I don't mean you don't need to take care of the Bible. Whatever you do is according to the Spirit, and in the Spirit, always checked, checked by the regulations of the Bible. And always also inspired, urged to work in the Spirit. The Bible's teaching should be the kind of teaching all the time inspiring us, urging us to work in our spirit and to live in our spirit and do everything according to the spirit. Bob, I really like this section and appreciate it very much because it brings out both aspects that we need for our Christian life and our Christian walk. We must have the reality of Christ living in us, and this is the mingled spirit within us. We also need the word without to check and guide us, don't we? We do, Chris. God's desire for every New Testament believer is that we who have believed in the Lord and have received him as the spirit and now have Our spirit is mingled with his spirit. God's desire for us is not that we would live according to outward regulations Mm -hmm. or rules or even ethical principles, but that we would live and walk and have our being in our spirit and according to our spirit, which is mingled with his spirit. This is the way that we follow the Lord today, not by reading the Bible in black and white letters and asking, what would Jesus do? in a certain situation, because we have Jesus as the life-giving spirit dwelling within our spirit, mingled with our spirit. So we can live in our spirit with him, and we can actually live him out in our daily living. This is God's 
economy of the New Testament, which replaces the Old Testament principle of keeping the law. That's right. However, we do have certain regulations in the Bible. What is the purpose of these regulations? Is the purpose of these regulations that, like the Jews in the Old Testament, try to keep them as they tried to keep the law? No. The regulations in the Bible are a check to show us whether or not we are living in our spirit and according to the mingled spirit. And also, the Bible, especially the New Testament, urges us and inspires us to walk in our mingled spirit. We need to see this. Yeah. Uh, our spirit is the center of our Christian life. It, it should be the focus and even the source of everything we do as a believers in Christ. And there's a wonderful result. If we would walk according to our spirit, what would the result be? The result would be the body of Christ, the church. Those believers who live Christ by living and walking according to their mingled spirit, they are the reality of the body of Christ. Bob, uh, in this last portion today, Witness Lee is going to touch five key passages of Scripture, four in the New Testament, one in the Old, that really help uh, reveal the Spirit to us. To so many believers, uh, the Spirit is nebulous, it's abstract, it's mystical, it's very hard to get a handle on. And although it does, you know, certainly has a mystical quality to it, the Spirit, it, properly understood in the New Testament, reveals to us a marvelous, marvelous person and an aspect of Christ that we should not miss. Absolutely, Chris. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee. I studied the Bible for so many years, and I studied church history and so forth. I found out five portions of the Holy Word are ignored. The first one is John seven thirty-nine. It says, the Spirit is not yet. Uh, this is a big word. God's Spirit was the Almighty. Then why it says the Spirit is not yet? This means God's Spirit was there. But this Spirit has not been consummated. The number two, First Corinthians 1545 says the last item that means the last man in the flesh became a life-giving spirit. Amen. This is a strong word, but this word was denied and rejected. Then, number three, in Second Corinthians 3, 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. If you read the text of Second Corinthians, the Lord there doesn't refer to Jehovah as the Lord, but it refers to the crucified and resurrected Christ. In his resurrection, he was made the Lord. The Lord is the Spirit. We all behold this Lord with an open face, unveiled face. By beholding him, we will reflect him then we will be transformed into his image. Then it says, as from the Lord, the Spirit. Amen. Here you have a compound title, the Lord, the Spirit. How could we be transformed 
by these life-giving spirit, who is the very resurrected Christ. This is the third. The fourth in uh, Revelation, chapter 1, chapter 4, chapter 5, all tell us the sevenfold spirit. In the Bible, firstly, God's spirit was processed to be the life-giving spirit, who is the pneumatical Christ, who is also the consummation of the triumph God. Then eventually this spirit is intensified as the seven spirits, this force. Then the fifth in the Old Testament typology, Exodus chapter 30, it says a kind of anointing ornament, which is kind of compound. This compound period is God's spirit compounded with Christ's death, with Christ's death effectiveness, and with Christ's resurrection, and with the power of Christ's resurrection. The Lord has opened our eyes to show us we should concentrate our full attention to these five points. Bob, all five of these passages warrant uh, not just a program, not just a message, but perhaps a conference, and yet here they are combined in one uh, short segment. But Bob, certainly we would like to at least give the references clearly so our listeners can come back and look at them in their own time to study them for themselves. The first passage you referenced was John 739, which talks about the Spirit being not yet. Then, of course, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-five, which we read a moment ago. Then 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18, this is the beholding and reflecting like a mirror and being transformed from one degree of glory to another and into the same image. Then he makes a reference to three chapters in Revelation that all talk about the seven spirits of God as being something that has been overlooked. And finally, uh, the reference to Exodus chapter 30, where it talks about this compound ointment that is being produced. Bob, I'm going to maybe make this, I hope not too difficult, rather than trying to get you to, you know, develop all five. As an aggregate, if we get into these passages in such a way, what will be the result in terms of its effect on our understanding and our experience of Christ in the New Testament? Well, we will see, Chris, if we look at all these five aspects, that uh, God has been processed through incarnation of Christ, the human living of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ to be consummated, to be a all-inclusive life-giving spirit. And this life-giving spirit dwells in our spirit. Now, every day, he wants us to pay our full attention to him and not to other things, just to him indwelling us, moving within us, living within us, and also dispensing God's essence and God's element into us to cause in us a metabolic transformation, to transform us into the image of Christ as the firstborn Son of God. This is what accomplishes God's eternal economy. Any other emphasis, any other focus will cause us to deviate and to miss the mark, miss the goal of God's economy, which is the building up of the body of Christ to consummate the new Jerusalem, 
this spirit living in us, moving in us, imparting Christ with his death and resurrection into our inner being is carrying out God's eternal economy to accomplish the building up of Christ's body. We have to pay our full attention to this spirit who is mingled with our spirit. Mm. You know, he mentioned that these passages have been neglected. I think that's fair. Uh, And also in fairness, I think we would say most likely because they've never been really understood in the ministry that we're handling today in this age, Bob, it seems very clear to me the Lord has given us all a marvelous gift by unveiling and connecting these passages to give us an understanding and a access to experience Christ in a way that all we can do is just be humbled and thankful to the Lord. Don't you agree? I agree with that, Chris. Well, our time is up for today. Of course, we have the printed life study volume that we'd like to uh, see you receive. Uh, if you'd like to find out about that, please call us toll free one eight 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 Life Study. That's eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. These Life Study messages show us that every book of the Bible reveal that enjoying Him in this way will bring us to the goal of our salvation. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.